Welcome into Smooth Operators with your hosts, Noah, Griggs, and Ben, going through the world of Formula One. If you want to interact with the show today, you can tweet at us at Noah underscore Phillips, at Junior underscore McClurkin, and at DGriggsB. It's time for the green flag, and it's lights out, and away we go. Hello and welcome into Smooth Operators. It is episode 12. I can't believe we made it this far. I thought we would have got thrown it off the air by now, but this will be our last episode of the summer of the summer before we reunite in the Bradley Basin studio. Griggs Blankenberg, Ben McClurkin, how are you guys doing? Uh, had a good weekend, so... Ready to get back in action, though. I'm ready to get back into the studio with you guys. Really looking forward to it. Although, I have uh, had a lot of fun this summer. Yeah, I've been having fun this summer. It's good. Just keep it going. One of the few shows at Weagle who was able to keep going over the summer. Grateful for that. And doing well. I'm glad people are still tuning in, listening to us. We appreciate that. We're coming up on one year, gentlemen. I have it in my calendar. It's coming up soon. So, we're going to have to have a swap one-year anniversary party in the studio for when that hits, that milestone hits. But once again, for the last time, for the next month, or a little under a month, we're here to talk about a Formula 1 race that happened. So the Spa Grand Prix, so the Belgian Grand Prix, happened today. And it's starting to sound like Groundhog Day. But folks, Max Verstappen did it again with a time of 122.30.450. Secures 25 points, his eighth consecutive race. He ties Sebastian Vettel, and I can't remember who the other driver was, for the most consecutive race wins in F1 history. He has his home race next, Zandervoort, Zandvoort, to try to secure the all-time most consecutive races won nine in a row. No one's ever done it. Looking to break that. As Red Bull win their 13th race in a row, 12th in a row this season, passing McLaren for the most won in a single season consecutively. Uh, second place, Sergio Perez. Back in, back into form a little bit. 18 points for him in second. And Charles on, Leclerc before, finishing. Before, before we get into that, I would just oh, like no, to say, here we go. shout out to the script writers with Max Verstappen, Max Verstappen winning his ninth consecutive next week in his home race. Talk about a storybook finish for that record. Max Verstappen is going to win it. They're going to be throwing orange cans and orange streamers and orange everything and Red Bull color. It's going to be amazing. The Dutch national anthem will never have sounded so good. Shout out to those script writers. And Noah's attempts to jinx anything. That's funny. But Charles comes in. He was on the Max Verstappen experience today. So he finished third with 15 points, followed by Sir Lewis Hamilton in fourth, securing the fastest lap of the race on new medium tires at the end of the race, setting a 147.305. Fastest pit stop of the day was Ferrari. We've not said that in a long time. Ferrari with the fastest pit stop, the DHL fastest pit stop, with a 2.19. And Max Verstappen is your driver of the day. Rest of the point scores, Fernando Alonso in fifth with 10. He, Lewis Hamilton, and Max Verstappen, only racers this year to score points in every single race. George Russell in sixth with eight points for Mercedes. Lando Norris securing six points in that seventh place for McLaren. Esteban Ocon. Have a good weekend, Esteban Ocon, for Alpine. Four points for him, followed by his teammate, um... Pierre Gasly in the sprint race, finishing third in that. Lance Stroll in at ninth, securing two points for Aston Martin. And rounding out the rest of the point scores is Yuki Sonoda of AlphaTauri, scoring one point. That jumps them from two to three. So they just, they almost, they scored half their season points this year already. So hats off to Yuki and the team at AlphaTauri for that one. Yeah, this season does not look good for AlphaTauri, but, um, yeah, I just want to say congrats to Max for giving us a uh, a good a good win in uh, half of his home country. You know, because his mother is Belgian and his dad is Dutch. And he was uh, and he was born in Belgium. Yes, and he was born in Belgium. So uh, shout out to him for getting uh, two of his nationalities, or getting one of the two nationalities this season knocked out. Um, I will say, talking points, uh, Lando's race. It, you know. Uh, from McLaren, we uh, we saw a lot of pace on Saturday, um, especially during the sprint shootout, and then especially during the sprint as well. Um, 
And obviously things didn't go to plan for Oscar Piastri with him not only finishing outside of the points, but finishing out of the race with a DNF caused by a little collision with Carlos Sainz at the beginning where he was fighting for a chance at a podium position. Um, but Lando drove really well, um, despite some of his apparent issues with the car. I believe that they had said at one point it was a steering issue, but then Lando corrected that and just said, no, we were slow. Um, but yeah, Lando still drove well, despite his issues with the vehicle. So good on him. One thing I noticed too with them, it's not, not at all the case what happened in the last couple races with McLaren, just the ability for them to get those tires up and going. All weekend, they talked about the start of the race. This is the first, like, almost all dry session. We had that little 10-minute span in there, but just could not, the McLaren could not seem to get any kind of the tires, dry tires working this weekend, even after that. And then going back to what you're talking about, Carlos Sainz and Oscar Piastri. I mean, Piastri finished second in the sprint. And just, I'm surprised, honestly, how Sainz kept going as long as he did. I thought he was coming in for a pit stop on, I believe, like, lap one. He came back in. Nothing really happened of it. So... That's really what I took from that as well. Um, and then, yeah, just the ability of Max again starts P6, P1 by lap 13. Shout out, I think it was Griffin Hall in our F1 Auburn group me. Shout out to him for that one. He basically got that one right on the nose, even though he won't admit it. Um, but yeah, I mean, good race for Charles Leclerc. Uh, now nine podiums, now nine pole positions in a row without a win. So congrats to Charles Leclerc on that. Continuing to be the pole king. It's coming. It's coming, don't worry. I believe he now has the worst pole to win ratio in F1 history. I believe it's 20 poles to four wins, I believe. If it if that's... it is, that's a complete media fabrication. Uh, it doesn't matter how many times you start on poles, my, my times you win, and the Ferrari is going to continue to win, hopefully at some point in the future. They're not doing it right now, but we can get back on top. I do love Charles Leclerc's uh, quote. The team has done an amazing job to bring updates ahead of the schedule and let us take uh, steps forward faster than we thought we would, which means that uh, we, we we haven't reached the full potential of that car. Um, so we really do have an opportunity to finish strong and finish on the podium at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. I, I also know I'm saying we, but, you know, yeah, that happens opium. sometimes. It happens sometimes. It do be yeah. happening. And I've just pulled up the stat. Uh, David Coulthard is second place with only two out of 12 pole positions as wins. But Charles Leclerc, uh, worst pole to win percentages, uh, 18 pole positions with five wins. So just barely beating our boy DC, one of the original Red Bull drivers. Um, but yeah, like, dude. That's just a brutal stat. It's hard. That's hard to walk away from. But you know, I, I think I think if Leclerc gets into a race-winning outfit, maybe not a race-winning car, but a race-winning team, he can do things. And he needs he needs the support around him. And what we've seen is right now this season, obviously, it's going to be Max Verstappen. It's the best driver in the best best car. But Later on, Leclerc could be the best driver in the best car. You know, like I'm definitely not ruling him out of a world championship. I think we would all love to see it too. I want yeah, to and just for sure. <laughs> I mean, it's good to have a little bit of stuff there. I also saw a sad stat today. It is now mathematically impossible for Logan Sargent to win the dri- World Drivers Championship this year. So. A moment of silence for our American brother in arms. Unlike every other thing that's ever happened, someone has beaten America. The oldest yeah, so far. and greatest country. Mm. Amen. Oldest. Yeah, it is the oldest. You wouldn't get it, Ben. You're not. You're not online. En- you're not on live. You're not online enough, Ben, to get that one. I you're love. Not, I love our. You're not clinically. I love. Online. I love misinformation, man. That's so fun. While we're at it, uh, we can talk about some cost cap rumors, if if y'all would like to get into that now. While we're doing some speculation, some uh, guessing. Uh, we don't, we don't what, guess with our award-winning journalism, Ben. What do y'all think Mr. Award winner and Mr. Award winner 
down here, up here. I don't know how it's going to look on the um, display. But what do you guys think? I think Griggs would be there. But what do you guys think of um, the allegations that Red Bull, Mercedes, and I believe either Williams or Haas have had a cost cap breach in 2022 and also in 2023? Well, listen, Ben. I mean, all great teams know you occasionally have to cheat to win. All right, and with the new cost cap, they didn't know how uh, bad it was going to be when they were going into it. They understand it now, and they're going to attempt to keep it under budget in twenty two thousand twenty four and beyond. But for two thousand twenty two, they didn't understand how big of a deal it was going to be. We saw it with Red Bull buying extra fruits at the uh, concessions, and that went into their cost cap. And they just have to learn to not be a cheater on that. I think we should forgive them and let the whole thing slide underneath. Interesting. I I, I personally, Greg's before you state your thoughts, I, I want to interject something here. I, I personally agree with you. Now, I think it would be really interesting to see – a cost cap free Formula One. Um, yeah, it's with, called Mercedes from 2014 to whenever. And I mean, every every entertaining season of Formula One has not been under strict cost cap regulation, except for 2021. I mean, that's that's just how it is. In the cost cap era, it's been in favor of the teams who have more money still. And in fact, it's increased that disparity because the other teams can't spend the money to catch up. So like if you're under the cost cap, it affects you more because you're not spending it more efficiently. Does that make sense? Yeah. Here's my thing. I mean, I don't know what this is for this, but I doubt, I feel like Red Bull would be very just dotting their, dotting their eyes and crossing off their T's on this one because they don't want yeah. another thing happening. They got a minor penalty, so I doubt Red Bull's going to be involved in this. I heard the thing about Mercedes in one originally. I heard about Mercedes and one other team, but I didn't remember hearing about Red Bull because I remember seeing someone was like, oh, oh, how the turntables have turned. Insert Michael Scott quote here. Just on like how they used to cry about Verstappen last year. Now they're, it's happening to them. Honestly, yeah. I don't think a big... Like a million dollars for an F1 car really didn't make too much of a difference for Red Bull. I mean, Adrian no. Newey's a wizard... He can do whatever he wants, and it still comes out positive. But, I mean, it would be interesting to see if, like, again, like, what if a team like McLaren were over budget when Zach Brown was writing letters to Mohammed bin Salman about uh, the F1 stuff, FIA, and just, like, this is not good for the sport when, in fact, it happens to his team. So it's going to be interesting to see the reaction if this does come to fruition. I think the biggest winner in that would be Christian Horner because then he can take a victory lap over everyone that doubted him and stuff. But, I mean, it would be interesting to see if that happens, especially if it happens to, like, a, a Red Bull or Aston Martin again, what kind of penalty they would get since they were two people who were within... Previously, yeah. Previously, yeah. Even though Aston Martin's was a little bit different, it was like a, like a, um, like a accounting error or something yeah. like that. Yeah, it was... Their reports were late coming in, mm-hmm. so they were fined a few grand. But here's another thing, too. And this is something interesting. Is it possible that Mercedes saw the fine given out to Red Bull and were like, I'll take some of that? Because if you think about it, um, the fines don't actually come out of their cost cap. So when Red Bull got fined, it came out of Red Bull's expenditures that were unrelated to the Formula One cost cap. So Red Bull itself paid for it. And I mean, with a huge organization like Mercedes, they could totally foot the bill of like 10 or 12 million dollars if it got them a winning F1 season because that that gives you more money in the long run and even at the end of the season in the short run um so you you can just outspend the cost cap basically but they they promise sporting penalties the next time so like race wins getting taken away and you know, I mean that wouldn't affect anyone but Red Bull this year but yeah, even a, even a championship being removed if you win the championship. But, I mean, those teams that are behind, what do they have to lose? Do y'all really think the FIA, though, would actually follow through with the sporting stuff and not just the fines? 
Like I would be That's very surprised if a team didn't test the waters or continue to test the waters. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing now. You set the president with Red Bull, so anything at or around that, they're going to have to do the same thing. But if we're talking like they're increasing it by like 10%, which I think the cost cap this year was $180 million U.S. dollars or something around that. So if you get 18 more million, that's a little bit more than a little catering mishap. So 18 million, you could definitely see in a development of a car. So yeah. more, way more than 1 million could. So that'd be interesting to see what they do there. Cause I think in every if it happens to anyone else, but Red Bull, I think they're going to get the same penalty now because they've already established what their kind of parameters are surrounding that. So they'll get the, they'll get the fine. They'll get the 10% uh, deduction in arrow. Uh, testing all that stuff so. yeah and one thing that's interesting too oh, i'm sorry no go ahead, um, no go ahead one thing that's interesting too is red bull has almost gotten around uh the arrow testing by making packaging changes that they don't test so the the new red bull side pod upgrade that was never run in a cfd or a wind tunnel mm-hmm. That was just hand, that was hand drawn and then executed in CAD, which is a computer aided design software, and then put on the car. That just shows you how much more of a wizard Adrian Newey is. Yeah, if you He's have that, like, if you have that level of guy at any position, and his knowledge of the rules too is something that's helped him out for a long time. But, but like if you if you can do that. You can get a, you can skirt some of those arrow penalties. So why wouldn't the other teams, you know, join in on the fun? <laughs> because they've seen that Red Bull has been successful despite their penalties, because they found ways around some of the penalties. And of course, like at the start of the season, I definitely felt like it was way too strict because of the ten percent arrow testing. But obviously, I underestimated um, Adrian Newey's abilities, and also I underestimated Red Bull's abilities to keep consistent upgrades and performance improvements on their car. So I, mean, it's I think true. I mean Yeah. I'm just, I mean I mean Red Bull had like a I know Red Bull was one of the last two last couple teams to implement upgrades. I mean if the same goes if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I mean all they did was the new side pod thing, but other than that, I mean just the consistency they've been gonna have. Like I don't think this could happen to a team like no offense to no, but I don't think a team like Ferrari it's kind of just not the greatest uh, cohesiveness, if that makes sense, where everyone knows, like, okay, we're running a tighter ship this season. We have to make sure we do everything correctly because we have less room to test and try things out. So we just have to just make sure everything's going according to plan. And I don't think that could happen with many other teams. I'd probably say it'd only be Red Bull or and probably Mercedes who could do it effectively with that ban, along with that arrow time, just because just because of the stability of those uh, organizations. I mean, that sounds about right to me. Just, you know, you got to have faith in Ferrari. If some of the old guys were still there, some of the old guard, we might be able to do it. If we had yeah, the people more that built, people. If we had the people that built our um, endurance cars, we could probably do pretty well. They've been doing pretty That's well. the thing. That's the thing you kind of do. But an F1 <laughs> team is kinda, the F1 team is kind of different. Um what I what I've noticed and this is not my observation, it was um Martin Brundles actually. He said mm. the British teams, that includes Red Bull, Mercedes, um to an extent and McLaren, McLaren which, which is technically um not British. Bruce McLaren is from New Zealand, but let's not get into that. Any of the British fact, any of the British factory teams that have been successful always do it because they execute a higher level of precision over the finer characteristics of the car. So even if the car is not as fast, let's say like this year's McLaren, it's not that fast in certain areas, but what they've found is one really good area that they, that they just push, 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 push. And they get that to perfection. And then they move on to the next thing. Kind of the same with the Williams. The Williams is good in a straight line. That's its characteristic. Problem is there's there's at least 
like over 10, 15 turns every race. Yeah, that's the thing. And so at Monza, I mean, Logan Sargent ran as high as sixth today. Um, strategy calls kind of messed him up. And, um, you know, Alex Albon always brings it home somehow. But, um, but yeah, what you see with that is the ability to extract one characteristic really well. And the Red Bull has so many characteristics that it naturally does well. So they can just focus on one thing and just get it dialed down to the smallest degree of perfection. And, I mean, error is not going to hurt them at all. Because <laughs> they're perfecting something that's already good. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Very true indeed. All right. After that speculationing that we've been doing along with our spa recap, it is time for somebody to talk about for a while. We've talked about it ever, but we've never given a full segment to it. So we called up our ratings guy, Noah. He's got some information on does this Red Bull dominance really have an effect on the ratings? He's got some stats from the past seasons along with this season's races. It's a little bit weird. They release them around every three, four, five weeks, every month from the past weeks, and then along with other series like NASCAR, IndyCar, I believe he has some stuff for it. And so, Noah, what do you got for us? Well, I'm going to start this one off with the crown jewel of the Formula One season, that being Monaco. Uh, Monaco was, what, a month ago, probably at this point, along with the uh, trifecta of the great uh, NASCAR, Coca-Cola 600, and, of course, the Indy 500. Um and if this is anything to go by, it did pretty well. Uh, this one was ranked second at Monaco, uh, including – actually, I'll tell you the numbers first. The F1 Monaco Grand Prix averaged a 1.0 rating and 1.79 million viewers on ABC, the largest audience ever for the race and third largest of any F1 race including tape-delayed uh, races that rank second at Monaco and fourth overall, uh, three largest live F1 audi audiences on record, and five of the top six have come in the past two seasons, uh, which Sunday's race trailing the two Miami Grand Prix, 2.58 and 1.96 million. Uh, all of these figures are coming from sportsmediawatch.com. And the actual win by Max Verstappen, Part of that big uh, eight uh, wins in a row included now peaked 1.9 from 10.15 to 10.30 a.m. So these people aren't necessarily seeing Max Verstappen start to, start to go way off and then turn off the camp or turn off the TV. They're at the very least staying through a good chunk of the race. Uh, obviously right there, 10.30, that's kind of a time when people start to go out and do something on their Sunday, uh, go out, get get lunch, try to beat the church crowd. Uh, or be the church crowd. <laughs> or be the church crowd, but, you know. Uh, let's see here. Qualifying the previous day actually was a plus 3% from last year with a 0 0.46 and 818,000. And overall, it did – uh, go down, or excuse me, it went up 12% in total from last year on ESPN. So the switch to ABC probably did help it. Mm -hmm. uh, couple, mm -hmm. couple of this with the same day, the NASCAR uh, Coca-Cola 600, one of its crown jewel events, 3.4 million viewers on Fox. Uh, one of the largest for a Monday Cup Series race, because you remember it rained that day, uh, Yes, and ended up. I being, do remember that day. It was really rainy here. And NASCAR well, drivers don't like the rain for some reason. Well, you I was know, saying no, it was really rainy here that day. So I understand why it was canceled. It was rainy that it day. It was rainy. It was rainy. I was mad because I was going to watch down. I was going to sit down, watch it, and it started raining. This also, I'll go ahead and move into Austria. Austria, one of the uh, few races I got for this again coming by way of Sports Media Watch, zero point six rating and. 1.09 million viewers on ESPN. Uh, this was the largest audience ever for the race. Max Chapman's win peaked with 1.21 million and increased 2% from last year, which was, of course, 1.07 million. The F1 season is now averaging 
1.26 million on the ESPN family and networks up from the last year's average at this point of 1.21 million. So folks, we're doing pretty good. Yeah. F1 has done a fantastic job on the ESPN family of networks. Uh, I really wish I could have found um, the actual market data for it, like the Tennessee market, like the Charlotte market, like all those markets. Um, But overall, not only F1, but racing as a whole is up on the TV on uh, TV ratings as the Chicago street race uh, was NBC's most watched NASCAR race in six years. So I'm telling you right now that F1 needs to go to Chicago. I'm telling you right now, it needs Why to not happen. just go to Detroit. No, no dude. I think, I think they need to go to Detroit. North Wilkes, bro. That that's, that's, that is what they should do. But obviously that is one of these circuits of all time. One of these circuits of all time, yes. One of these circuits ever. But the that, NASCAR community is going to get bad that F one uh, that all these NASCAR racers are coming to North Carolina again, and then and then we're going to have to go back to da- uh, to Texas, no, for the All Star race, which is no, not what not I know you want that. to see. We're not doing. I that. love Texas. I love Texas. But but here's the thing I have to say about this. I mean, it's kind of what. Uh-oh. Kind of like what Ben was I saying. I wouldn't thought, but still, just the way that um, the F1 tracks was able to just, even though people are not tuning in, as... and he keeps cutting oh. out. Is my mic cutting out? Yeah. Uh, and your video, your too. video feed is going away. My Wi-Fi is terrible. I apologize. But we won't have that problem back in the studio. But what I was saying was just the dominance of Max isn't affecting the ratings as much as we thought it was. People are still tuning in. You can see a big on the races some too i mean look at the timing sometimes here in america along with the network it's on i mean we don't have the numbers yet but when the race is um la- or two weekends ago uh, what was last week and it was spa and then hungry it was hungry was on espn2 the open was on at the same time for golf so i thought that would have had a little bit of correlation the fact in america people tuning in to watch golf instead but then these races that are getting put on abc it's mainly the american races getting put on abc along with Monaco, so that makes sense. I'm interested to see what the Las Vegas is going to do in terms of numbers, since, as y'all remember, it will be a Saturday night race. So, It's going to do crazy numbers, and I don't think they have... There's no NFL game scheduled. Um, it's What's the date? November 22nd? For uh, Vegas? It's, it. it's late. It. It's November, late during fall late. sports season. It's November 25th? No. November um November number tw- November 18th and November. folks we have an Auburn football home game that day versus New Mexico State nobody's oh. going to be watching that <laughs> I love I love you who freeze but nobody's going to thing, be watching that that's going to be a beatdown here's the Wait, thing no it's a Sunday night it's, race no it's not yeah oh i mean i mean at the venue oh yeah 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 what? What's happening? It's Saturday at the venue. It's 1 a.m. It'll be midnight on Central Time Zone, so that means it'll be, I believe, 10 p.m. Pacific time, so it will still Wait, technically be a Saturday race. race. At, so The race starts at 11 p.m. Mountain Time? That yes. is awesome. Yes. That is so cool. Oh, wait, no, sorry. It would be, yeah, 11 p.m. Mountain Time. So it'll so be 1 a.m. after race. an Auburn football home game. They will race till the crack of dawn. I love that. I, I think that's super cool. Um, I'm the city that never sleeps. <laughs> Las Vegas. Sorry, this is this is a good rating stop, but we have I have to cut the answer because I just remembered I'm reading about something this week. Are y'all yeah. hearing what Vegas is doing? I mentioned this in our group me. No, and wait, charging I, like fifteen hundred dollars for hearing the cars. Yeah, yeah, uh, fifteen hundred. So. Liberty Media is charging the people across on the strip along the racetrack with a view of the race who could see the race. They're charging them fifteen hundred dollars per person times their max capacity. So if their max capacity, let's do some math. Let's do uh, their max capacity. Let, it's Vegas, so it's probably gonna be big. Let's say five hundred times fifteen hundred. That's seven five hundred. That's seven hundred fifty thousand dollars for that. Wait, just, so they're charging not, the venue. 
Mm -hmm. They're charging the venue that could see the race. Okay, so $1,500 times their mask, max capacity. It's not times their person, their number of people per se, but they will pay $1,500. So they're charging the they're charging the venues $1,500 mm -hmm. per the capacity, and then the venue is going to sell it at $1,500 per person, right? I mean, they're going to that... have to offer packages now. Yeah, that's what you're getting yeah, they at. Gotta yeah, they got to offer packages, yeah. They were doing probably less – they were probably going to sell them for less before this happened, but like – Yeah, now it's price Imagine hiked. just Formula 1 is just boarding up your windows so, just so uh, you can't watch the race because you didn't pay. Uh, Even over your road and in front of your restaurant and stuff too. Here's what it's I'll say. That much MGM Grand's max capacity is 17,000 guests. I think it's different for the hotels on the strip. I'm pretty sure it is. I'm talking oh. about like, like well, the, Grand, Grand, the Grand's a hotel. They all got. Yeah. They all have rooms. Yeah, but like the smaller, like like let's say you own the restaurants and bars. Like they like can't block every. Bar. They can't block every hotel window from the Bellagio. True. Because that's going to be like one of the things. So I think it's like, and plus those venues are like making money on top of that. I mean, they're sponsors of F1 with that one. I mean, they're going. They're using their home as like the things like that. It's just the smaller yeah. venues that are like not paying Formula One. They're probably, I mean, look at like MGM Grand, Bellagio, all the stuff along the strip, like in terms of the casinos and the hotels. They're probably already paying stuff along that to use their name, all this stuff. So they're like, okay, you're good enough. But I'm talking like the small restaurants, all this stuff along the strip, pawn shops, you name it. I'm just, I'm kidding with that one. But well, I mean, if you look at the strip, it's mostly, I believe the, if my Vegas geography is correct, it's mostly um, all the big casinos. Yeah. Which no, I'm talking about like all the, on all the track. But I'm talking along, about all the tracks, not just the people the on the strip. I'm talking about, this, yeah. Okay. I'm talking yeah. about like all, any, any point of the track. If you could see any of it. Formula One's going to come board up your windows, shine lights directly at your building, or do something crazy. That's ridiculous. So you can't see the race. Let the people watch their racing. I remember hearing stories about people, like, jumping the fence to go see Silverstone. And, I mean, now it's almost like you are policing who can and can't watch it from outside of the venue, which is just mind-blowing. Yeah, y'all are correct. Um the back stretch is all casino because it's the uh, actual strip from yeah. Planet Hollywood uh, down to Treasure Island. And then it goes yeah. across, goes past the MG, MSG Spear. Sphere, Jesus. Uh, past the Caesar's Oh, it Forum, passes the Sphere? Yes. It also passes the Westin, which is Ooh. just a regular hotel. Mm. But it's so, a luxury hotel. The Westin is a luxury it, hotel. It is a luxury hotel. But it's, it's like a not, four and a half. It's not like a, it's not like a Bally's or a, a Planet Hollywood or something like that. No, it's not. It's not a Vegas casino, yeah. but it's a, it's a very nice hotel for the people who want to stay at a hotel and then go to the casinos. So that's going to get charged. Any of those, any of those businesses along, um, that that uh, that corner, along the home straight. No can do. No view. That's what uh, I'm trying to find. I'm trying to find if there's more like like uh just like the regular stuff that wouldn't be yeah. big time high roller area. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of regular businesses along there because it's it's like truly a street circuit. You know, like in Azerbaijan it goes through all of these political and historic buildings and some apartments. Um and then in Vegas they're passing the fountain and uh, Hollywood, playing at Hollywood. They're driving in the fountain, and also they're oh, going to imagine do... they did like a turn over the fountain, cut away. Yeah, from like at uh, oh, like at the streets of St. Cool. Petersburg, the IndyCar race. Mm -hmm. There, there is. They literally have the uh, landscaping there as a natural barrier around this like super low speed corner. Like you can drive into the shrubbery at St. Pete. For the IndyCar race, which is super cool. That's crazy. But yeah, Formula God, One, that's kind of crazy. A, I mean, this is a racket. Me trying to get to... The wind is surrounding Literally. it. All of these like big time hotels, 
1050 per person of your max capacity? Gee, that is uh-huh. a racket. Again, yeah. I don't think it's going to happen for the casinos and the hotels because, like, they're caring about people being close and not paying to see it as much. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't they're... care if you're on the 50th floor of the Bellagio because you're already paying the Formula One weekend rate package to stay there. You can't see the race from inside the casino, that kind of stuff. Yeah, don't plan a Vegas trip during November 18th if if you are planning on it, unless you can fork well, out no. some serious dough. The poker games will be good because you get a bunch of uh, fish up there playing. So it'd be easier. It'd be an easier game. <laughs> That's the time to go, Ben. Sure. It's time to go. You go, you go after your big dogs. Yeah. Show with no, short. with more money than more money than cents. Yep. Exactly. Card start, Noah. Noah's like going to walk up to some high roller table with like twenty five dollars in chips, all in. He's like a hundred bucks from them. Let's go. And then he gets back in his car and drives back because he can't stay in Vegas. No, then I got to pay the bus fees. Ooh. Can't spend the night, and I got just enough for bus fare. I'm sure bus fees aren't cheap the night that they have the entire Las Vegas Strip blocked off. Man, you, got, you can walk. You know, they're build, they're building Oakland Coliseum down there, whatever they're gonna call uh, yeah. it. Energy. The o- the Oakland Coliseum that's in uh-huh. Las Vegas. So sad. It. I love I love the Oakland Stadium with the rats and. All of that. Can't, can't believe they have just thrown away everything Al Davis built. Are you talking about the athletics? Yeah. I thought yes. you were talking, we're talking about, the about the We're talking about the athletics, not the eight. Not the, we're not talking about the Raiders, Noah. The Raiders are no, already there. They used to play there, though. They used to play in the Oakland Coliseum because it was a built for both teams. And yeah. then Al Davis I mean, left. That's fair. He said, I'm going to go get more and money the, in L.A. And the A's still play there. Al Davis been dead, I thought, for a while. Yeah, he has. But yeah. R.I.P. R.I.P. Unlike Michael Schumacher. Um, anyways, uh, one thing I will say about you know the upcoming races, uh, since they're not allowed to work on the cars, I feel like the grid's going to be relatively fixed from where it was at Hungary. I wouldn't say so much at Spa because there is no real testing, and a lot of those teams are very testing dependent, like McLaren. They have to get the setup dialed, and when they have less time to do it on a sprint weekend and it being rainy with no practice sessions, I think I think we can see a convincing McLaren coming back. I don't think they're going to get third in the championship necessarily, but I could see them making a very strong return. Oh, also, I guys. Guys, I forgot. Alpine has fired Otmar Zaftenauer. Dude didn't even stay to watch the end of the race today. Um, and and um, a follow-up to what we talked about earlier in the season with Laurent Rossi. With, with Laurent Rossi saying that heads will roll, Otmar was the first to fall off of the chopping block and um, roll it around back so, to so Canada. Zach, so Zach Brown won one. Won that, so won the team principal out. battle. <laughs> shout out Zach Brown, you got your job longer than Otmar. But yeah, it was decent weekend for Alpine too. I mean, you had Alcon score points in the race, and then you had Gasly finish P three in the sprint. Yeah, yeah, much needed for the team after some very, very crazy disruption. I can't even begin to understand why they fired him. Um, Bring back Bonato. Bring back Bonato. Yep. That's what I was going to jump to there. There have been rumors linking Mattia Bonato. Big stretch there. Big stretch. Yeah, my bad. Linking Mattia Bonato to the French team. I think that would be absolutely insane. I don't even know if that's a good decision or not. I mean, you're just going from mediocre to mediocre there. Maybe they think he'll work. But unlike Otmar, Bonato's got wins. Ferrari, o- I stopped has watching. Wins. He didn't win. Oh yeah, Alcon. Wait, was I thought he st- was he still at Aston Martin? Alcon, Perez in uh, twenty twenty. 
Um, I think when, when did Albar come there? Because I can't remember from when I was. He went to Alpine in 2021. Okay, yeah, then. So that or means 2022. Um, 2022. Okay, so that means uh, so you can see any there. wins then. Yeah, no, he was there when Checo won in uh, 2020. You said 2022 he came there. To Alpine, yeah. Before that, he was at Racing Point, and before that, oh yeah, oh yeah, fair, fair, yeah. fair. oh yeah, yeah. So he Gosh, was, that, but yeah, he was there when Perez won. But I think unlike, he has a better pull to win ratio than <laughs> Mattia Bonato. But here's the thing about Bonato, though. Bonato has led a team to the first place in the drivers and constructors championships. Now, if you stop watching F1 last year after Australia, you'd be like, "Oh, Ferrari's going to win the world championship." However, that did not happen. But th- my point is. He knows how to handle being up top a little bit. I mean, they still finished second, the constructors, but still. Nah, man. He drowned I mean, at the top. I mean, but with those two guys, there's two experienced drivers who are going to be there after this year. I don't think either of their contracts are up for negotiation. At least I know Gasly's isn't. So you want someone to just have that experience. And I get Bonato didn't do that well at uh, Ferrari, as many people had hoped. But still, I still think he'd be a good uh, person to bring in because he's got the experience. I don't think Alpine's going to poach any of the lower people from them. But I don't know who sees. I mean, I see them as like the fifth biggest constructor. Maybe the sixth. Who knows? Yeah. I mean, they are backed by the largest car manufacturer in the world. It's just they're given like half the budget that Mercedes had when there mm-hmm. was no cost cap. So, yeah, you could see them you could see them forking out some big bucks, or you could see them just kind of sitting behind and being like, we'll wait. And I mean, honestly, if, if everything was ideal, and let's say you got like a Ross Braun level guy in in your team, and you still wanted to hire Bonato, he'd be a great guy as like a consultant or whatever um, Andrea Stella was doing before he was promoted. Like, that kind of role, like, you know, hey, here's what I've seen, do with it what you will, and not having the final say on the decision. I think that's that's Bonato's strength, and when he was when he was promoted at Ferrari, what they saw is they saw an ability for him to move upward from that, and I don't think he ever really did. So I think he would be a great fit as, like, a secondary guy, but not, not a primary decision maker, no. Fair. Cruel but fair. Cruel but fair. All right, That's we've been going cool. on for almost. An... Sorry, no, we were a little bit more cruel towards you. Sorry about that. It's just how we go sometimes. Red like Ferrari. Anyway, let's wrap this up. Last episode for at least the next week, two, maybe even three. But let's wrap it up for our summer shenanigans with our mid-season. Uh, Recap, what have we taken away? What's been your one big takeaway from this? Let's say besides the Red Bull dominance, Ben, let's start with you. Um, I'd say don't count anybody out. Um, so far what Except I've Logan seen... Logan Sargent, he can't mathematically win. No, he can't. That's you can count out Logan Sargent. It's physically impossible for him to win. But not, not just in no terms faith. of winning... Not just in terms of winning races, but like in terms of com- point deductions, competitivity or competitivity. I don't know how you say that word. I did type it out, but in, in terms of competitiveness, any team at any point this season has been able to be con- competitive in a short spirit, a short spurt of time. Aston Martin, Mercedes, Ferrari, um, really the only two teams that haven't been have been Alfa Romeo. And Oz and AlphaTauri, those guys are miles behind. Um, even even Williams at some points has been kind of all over the place. But you see, like oh, Williams finishing sixth, and then like just don't rule anybody out. I, I'd say there's not going to be a a team that hasn't scored points this season. Um, and that's just going to be how it is. The field is so close right now that anybody could come with a new package and just blow everyone out of the water except Red Bull. Greg's, I'll go next. No, I'm going to keep it real short and sweet. I think at the beginning of this season, I'm not going to say that my uh, thing is 
the Red Bull dominance, but we've seen with the Red Bull dominance all throughout the season. Everybody knows that. We've heard rumblings that uh, viewership was dropping off. We just proved earlier in this podcast that's not the truth. With the rest of the schedule, Netherlands, Italy, Singapore, uh, Japan, we're going to Las Vegas, we're going to Australia, Australia, Austin in in Texas. The rest of this season could be an absolute banger. Just from racing standpoint, not by, uh, obviously we're going to get Max Verstappen winning every single race, but from uh, the second on down, we will get an absolute banger in the rest of the season. I think it could be 10 times better than what we've got so far earlier in the 2023 schedule. My, I'm going to go with just just the ability of Aston Martin to just hang on for as long as they can because they started off second in the constructors. They're now down to third, and just the ability of them, even though they have not been the greatest these past couple races, just the way that even with Lance Stroll, Fernando Alonso still pulling a lot of his way at his age. I mean, after today, he's only one point ahead of Lewis Hamilton, so that's going to be interesting to see if he can hold on to it because the top three have not changed at any point this season. It's been Verstappen, Perez and Alonso all throughout. So I'm interested to see if what happens here if Aston Martin comes back getting a little bit more greedy with how they treat races, even though they both got to Q3 this weekend, uh, started ninth and 10th. But that's why I took away from it. All right. And let's do two more. Let's do your favorite race you've watched so far this year. Bending a start. Uh, can I name three? Yeah, give us your order then. Okay. Um, my favorite race wasn't actually a race. It was the Spa Sprint race. Hmm. I loved it. Every minute of it. It was just great. There was decent battles throughout. Um, Saturday as a whole was just exciting. I was very glad that I woke up for that. Um, two. Uh, I don't know. I really liked. I really liked um, Bahrain, mm. and I can't say that normally because Bahrain's such a track. Like you normally fall asleep watching, <laughs> just because of its um, simplicity and it's not very hard or challenging to drive. And third, I'm gonna say Spain. The changes in Spain have made it very, very fun to watch, and I've really liked the racing there. So those are my three. Noah, you don't have to do three. You can just name one. This is a hard choice. This is a really hard choice. Um, I'm looking over the season and like I'm just trying to pick one out right now. Griggs, you got to go, man. I don't know. I'll go. I, I'm too. I'm too I'm, on the fence. I got you. Along with the craziness of this day and everything leading up to it, I'm gonna go Australia. That was. A insane race. It wasn't the greatest racing technically there, but we had seven D or eight DNFs. One of the two, I can't remember. Just the in- absolute insanity that was that race just made so much more interesting to watch, even though it was like midnight Central Standard Time. Just the craziness that day was for me. But yeah, I enjoyed Australia a lot just because, like, just the and first time one, of course, but still just the amount of just carnage, like Ben said, just. We had people going crazy. I mean, this Norris getting P6 when he was driving a terrible car. Piastri, four points. Hulkenberg getting six points. Guan Yu Zhou finishing in the top ten. There's only two people who didn't score points in this race who finished the race. So that was just the craziness of, that happened there. One of those being our boy Logan. <laughs> yeah, I mean, here's the thing. I looked back at it. Look at um, Zhou Guan Yu qualify 17th. Ends up finishing ninth in the race there. Um, looking back there, just all these, just just the craziness that happened there. I mean, how many constructors have no people fit, not finished the race? One, two. So two constructors didn't have any people finish. Wow. So that's the craziness. That was that. Noah, you got one? I do. I'm going to use mine to highlight a race you two haven't talked about. And I'm going to go with Monaco this year. We had Ocon finishing. Uh, on the podium on the third step. Yeah, Hamilton, 
Hamilton got a fast to slap. Uh, we had double points from McLaren when absolutely nobody thought that would ever happen in the history of mankind. Um, and so I'll Mercedes be honest, upgrades worked. Mercedes upgrades worked. I honestly just really like um, Monaco races, and this is the one I'm going to choose to highlight with my time here. All right, last question. Do you guys think Red Bull wins the remaining races of the season? Yes. Yes. Yeah, I think I think they have a shot at winning every race in a season. A very good shot. I would not be surprised. I'm gonna just I'm gonna say no. Because at some point they've not had a race yet where Max has had to retire. Max is not retired yet this race. He scored points in every single race. The uncertainty of Checo's qualifying performances has been in question recently, even though it's been better. I think that could come back to hurt him, especially if Max got a five-place grip penalty today. And then Max gets another one if he has to change an engine or something like that. Go back down to 15th. I mean, I think that could change some things, even though Max has won from pretty far back before. But still, I just think that somewhere there, someone's going to catch a break, and they're going to take advantage of that. Because what is it, 22 races since one got canceled this year? That's a lot of races to win. Yeah. Especially with Red Bull making upgrades, but minimal. But that is going to do it for us today. After I'm reading this group chat, we're all in. That is going to do it for today's episode of Smooth Operators. If you missed any of today's show, check it out on your favorite podcast platform later. Hit that download button. Leave us a good review on the site if you feel so inclined. We do appreciate the feedback. Follow the Twitter at SMOP Podcast. Reminder, we're not going to be on the air next week or the week after. We're going to hope to be in the studio. Coming back to you live on the Weagle Airways on August 18th, 1 p.m. time. we still got our same time, so hats off to that. Clap up for Noah. Do working that magic out in Cameron. But we're taking our own little sun break, so we'll see you back in Auburn. For Ben McClurk and Noah Phillips, I'm Grace Blankenberg. Thank you for tuning in to Smooth Operators on Weagle 91.1 FM. Have a great rest of your week, everyone. Have a great couple weeks of your weeks. And War Eagle.